Welcome to Radio Rehab. This is our daily storyteller series where I have a guest co-host on with me for the entire week and we talk all things recovery. And I mean all things recovery. This week my guest co-host is Matt H. And today we talk about Buddhism, refuge recovery, and meditation. It's fascinating conversation today. We're going to get to that in a second. First of all, if you would like to email us, it's Radio Rehab at GoToProductions.com. That's G-O-T-O Productions.com. You can call or text 415-496-9511 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's at Radio Rehab Dana. And you can go to Radio.Rehab and read the blog. Now let's get into today's stories. Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. Welcome back. We are joined again in studio today with my guest host for the week, Matt H. Matt, welcome back. Good to be back. It's almost the end of the week. Yep. <laughs> so today's Thursday, and as promised, we're going to talk about refuge recovery because that's that's what keeps you sober today, right? It is. It okay. Is. Um, so we had Noah Levine on the show, and I got to know a little bit about refuge recovery, but the town I got sober in, there's no refuge recovery. I know the town I live in now, there's a ton of it, so I really should... I mean, there's a lot I could do. I have read um, the books and everything, but talk to me about this because I really don't, I don't know a lot about it because there's not a lot of it where I got sober. <laughs> well, it's still new. It's still new as far as the public goes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I should say that in a way I've been practicing something similar to refuge recovery for a good chunk of my sobriety. I heard you say, when you said you were in, in prison, you did yoga? Yes, I did do yoga in prison. How did that start, much. though? How I, did you start doing yoga in prison? It didn't have anything to do with um, refuge recovery no, or Buddhism? No, no. So, oh, okay. I just passed by the chapel one day, and I saw people doing yoga oh. in there, and I said, hey, you know, like on Tuesdays or whatever day it was. Something to do. Okay. <laughs> something interesting to do. Gotcha. Okay. But, um, so very, very early on in my recovery in the county jail, I really got into meditation and Buddhism in general, because it has a philosophy that really works well for me. And so when I was working the 12 steps and I saw the God as we understood him or spiritual awakening, um, I interpreted it in terms of of Buddhism, which doesn't really have a God per se. Um, And that's just the way that I see the world. You know, I'm kind of a permanent agnostic. I don't say there is. I don't say there isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And I managed to make the 12 steps work for me, but I did a lot of translating if that makes sense. You know, I, oh, yeah. And and that worked. And that worked fine. But I, I read a book when I was in Folsom. It was called Dharma Punks. It was by Noah Levine. Yeah. And I remember reading it. And I'm like, there's someone else who thinks like me. He did 12-step. He got sober through 12-step. Um, and he's doing something probably better than me, but <laughs> similar to what I'm trying to do. You know, he's, And there's people out there like me that do this Buddhist thing kind of on the side from their 12-step. Because at the time, there was no refuge recovery yet, even then. And I remember reading like an article in Shambhala Sun about Dharma punks, you mm-hmm. know, which were these like these meditation groups that were out there. And I idealized them like a bunch of punk rockers with tattoos all over their faces going to meditate together. I'm like, I need to find these people. When That's I what out. I pictured, right. too. That's what I pictured. And when I went looking for it, I was like, what? <laughs> this is where the ex-convicts are going to be, you know? Yeah. And so I idealized it a little bit. It's not really quite like that. But... Uh, the same year I, I paroled from prison, I was doing AA at the time, but I decided uh, right be go, before going back to college to go do a retreat, and a retreat with Noah Levine. And 
it was at Mount Madonna Center, which is kind of in the mountains above Sacramento, not Sacramento, Santa Cruz. Oh, that's and, probably beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's up in the Redwoods. And so I did, I think it was a three or four day retreat there. And what was it? What was the retreat about? Were you, was it like think, meditation? Uh, what's it called? Guided meditation? Guided and silent. You know, you have Noah there uh, kind of interjecting periodically if it's one of the more silent meditations, kind of to remind you what you're supposed to be doing if uh-huh. you happen to be trailing off in a never, never land, you know? Yeah, well, that's me. It happens to everybody. <laughs> Thinking about tacos. It, it, it's, it's what happens. <laughs> Trust me. We think about a lot worse than tacos when we meditate. And <laughs> so I went to that retreat, and what I found fascinating about it was that I'd say three-quarters of everybody there was in recovery. And so the people that were drawn to Noah's story and the people that were drawn to his teachings also happen to be like me. Like there are people who are looking for something, a spiritual path a little bit different than when they found the 12 steps. And so I think, you know, I, I likened what happened in Dharma, the Dharma punks or against the stream is the other name for the, the whole meditation mm-hmm. society. Uh, I liken what happened with them kind of like to what happened with the Oxford group, right? You had the Oxford group in AA. Fascinating. You had the Oxford group in AA and there's just too many damn alcoholics in there. And they said, we need to, you need to kind of branch out and let's just have a singleness of purpose and focus on the alcoholics while using the principles from the Oxford group. I like to think of refuge recovery in a similar way. There's just too damn many addicts and alcoholics in Against the Stream or in Dharma Punks that it made more sense to focus on it exclusively. I don't know if that's specifically what Noah I was think thinking. I think that's fascinating. I think that's the best description of it I've ever heard. So that's how you get it. And that really makes sense. Now, I don't know if that's exactly what Noah was thinking when he did it. Well, well I don't know. Me? He would have had to have read, uh, like, Dr. Bob and the Old Timers and pass it on. Maybe. I don't know that he's read those books or I don't know. But, n- I mean, I understand because I, I know I, I studied all that and found out what the Oxford group was, which sounded scary to me. I'm glad that that, that wasn't the, the Oxford way group did sound I scary. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there was they sounded very puritanical. A little bit, a little bit. But that's where we get our, I think they, if I remember right, do they have six steps? I think they had six steps. In, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's pretty much like uh, clean house, trust God, help your neighbor. I mean, yeah, exactly. it's kind of what what basically the 12 steps are about, I right. guess. But but I know there is a lot of, um, you know, there's atheist and agnostic AA meetings even. Yep. And there's, and even like now when I'm in, I'm in a meeting um, in San Francisco where I live, people are very funny, uh, came to like, God as we understood God. They won't say him or her. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> well, there is a there is the, the element of being a little nitpicky. And yeah. I knew that, you know, it, it was fine for me because I was desperate enough to just ignore the way that I wanted to interpret God or the way I thought they meant by God and just go to ahead. go ahead and reinsert what I thought. So I made the 12 steps work for me. But when Refuge Recovery came along and I could go to a meeting, I didn't have to translate at all. It just felt more comfortable. So is are the Refuge Recovery meetings based on 12-step meetings? I mean, are they like 12-step meetings? They're like them and they're not like them. So uh, they tend to have a different tone to them. That's the first thing people notice when they go there. So, you know, an AA meeting might be very boisterous and there's a lot of laughter and like, yeah, kind of like craziness yes, going on. Totally. It, Refuge recoveries don't tend to be that way, at least not the ones where I go where I where I go down the South Bay. They tend to be much calmer, quieter when you walk in, and uh, they always almost always begin with a meditation. Some of them are short meditations, some of them are guided, some of them are silent. The meetings I go to regularly are silent, twenty minute meditation, and just like a twelve step meeting, there's kind of like they read the equivalent of like how know, it works. How it, like, yes, right? it's called the process. And so you read those things. Is that something Noah wrote? It comes out of the book Refuge Recovery. Yeah. So it's called the process. The process is and every one of the early every chap- meeting starts with like it's like the preamble to the not meeting. everybody. No, we kind of uh, 
we had some when it when refuge first started in the, in the South Bay, we had some parameters, kind of like an easy meeting start guide thing. Uh-huh. But then we started new meetings at new places that required slightly different things because maybe with the space we had required us to say certain things like take your shoes off at the door or don't take your shoes oh, off. So we ended up gotcha. just rewriting the whole meeting format. And as time went on, a group conscience, just like in a 12-step meeting, like we want to include this. We want to add this language. We want it. So like we do our own thing uh, all within the refuge recovery context. So they're all different. Not all of them read the process. Our local ones do. But they still have these readings at the beginning. So you hear about the the four truths and the eight folds. Right. And which, by the way, four and eight, it's 12. And that's a similarity, right? But Interesting. The, uh, there are still inventories in refuge recovery. So we have two inventories. There's a first and a second inventory. The first truth inventory and a second one. The first one is very similar to a four-step in that it looks at, it's almost like a list of the suffering we've experienced as addicts and the suffering we've caused as addicts. And that lines up with the first truth of Buddhism, right? Which is there is suffering, uh-huh. the truth of suffering. And then the second inventory lines up with the second truth, which is the cause of suffering. And so the second inventory looks at kind of the stuff that happened in the first one, but gets more at the root. Like, why did we suffer in that way? So, okay, okay, we were using, but what's the reasons we've been using? Where does that come from? You know, what life experiences led to that? And so they're similar and different as far as the inventories go. You don't get into that quite as much when you do a four-step. Um, I know one of the things that really impacted me when I did the, the inventories with in Refuge Recovery was one of the questions was list out all of the, I don't know if the word was traumatic, but it was traumatic or painful memories in your life. And so I kind of wrote like this chronology of my life of the most painful memories I had, most painful events. And I had never thought to do that about my life. And it was really interesting because I suddenly saw a pattern that I was responding to similar circumstances in similar ways year after year after year after year. Based on old shit, basically? Yeah, like a common theme throughout my life. Right. Like lack of success, shame over not, you know, being successful, you know, shame over not, you know, making my parents happy if it was younger. Um, and then responding to that by not setting goals, because if I set goals and there's no expectations, like I learned a lot about myself through that process. That I don't think I would have done if I in, in a four step context. But so the inventories are the same and they're different. And there's a lot of focus in refuge recovery on ethical practice, you know, right speech, right communication when it's what is wise or right communication is that like asking yourself is it because uh, i have some friends who say this my friend got this from our sponsor is it is it true is it necessary something like exactly. that like but every time before you speak true, is it true necessary ne- kind yeah true right? necessary and kind that's it yeah. there's a fourth one that i can't remember what it is off the hand off hand but not idle that's the other one that comes up sometimes they talk about idle chatter are we talking for the sake of talking is that wise communication? You know, so there's a lot of talk about ethical practices in refuge recovery, um, both talking, actions with others, you know, sexuality, all talked about very openly in refuge recovery. And then, the, of course, so there's the ethics. Then there's the insight aspect of it, like trying to get wisdom, you know, looking at the world the way we think it is rather than the way we want it to be. You know, and the world tends to be unsatisfactory. And we tend to treat that satisfactory with a strategy. And that strategy very often is drugs and alcohol. Uh-huh. But then if we remove the drugs and alcohol, are we replacing it with something else? 
Are we replacing it with a new strategy like video games or porn or Facebook or whatever the heck it is? You know, and from the refuge perspective, like though those things aren't causing as much damage in our environment, they're still just as deleterious to us, right? They're still just as bad for us so far as getting insight. Because so, you, you can't be connected to your, you, you can't be finding you, your truth or you can't be learning about yourself if moment. you're still like zoning out somehow. Exactly. You're still using something. So numb. you're still doing okay. the same thing psychologically. Even though, of course, it's better. I mean, clearly, when you when you right. come to refuge clearly recovery, clearly TV is better than crap. Yes, but... when, you, when you come to refuge recovery, <laughs> clearly, just knock all that really bad stuff out. So, complete abstinence when it comes to drugs and alcohol, um, or whatever your addiction happens to be. That's the other thing that's very unique, I think, about refuge is we don't distinguish between addictions. So, we have alcoholics, we have addicts, we have food addicts, we have sex addicts, we have gambling addicts, we have people who are addictive to vindictive thinking. We have all sorts of all sorts of types of what they call process addictions. And we share the same meeting space. And we talk about it on a level where everybody can still identify. I identify with people talking about being addicted to overeating or, or Coca-Cola or gambling or sex or porn. I, I can identify with it in a refuge meeting. It's really awesome to see that sort of community. Because it all, it, like, it all comes from the same place? I think it's the human condition. Right. I mean, what we pick as our, as our addiction doesn't necessarily change the way that our addiction is. I know we right. don't we don't feel like we I know we don't choose our addiction specifically, but whatever we happen to fall upon for our addiction, let's put it that way. Uh, and the way that it acts is very similar for all of us. And I always kind of had that sneaking suspicion. You know, when I was when I was in AA, I would find myself doing things that just were remarkably similar to what it was like with meth, whether it was coffee or cigarettes or things like that. I'm like, hmm, I feel like I'm relating to these the same way that I did to drugs. Like maybe this is just the way that I tend to be. And then I would see it in people who weren't drug out, you know, drug addicts or alcoholics. And so it made me wonder, like, is this just kind of part of the human condition? Do we have a tendency to avoid pain and pursue pleasure, you know, very often to, you know, to the point where it causes harm to ourselves or others? And I think we tend to do that. I mean, who wants pain? Right. I mean, who wants, who doesn't want pleasure, right? But the problem is, is we tend to push one away harder than needs to be. And we tend to go after the other one more than we need to. And that's what we take a look at in Refuge. Um, do, is there sponsorship in Refuge Recovery? There is. It's called mentorship. So okay. I have a sponsor. I still have my AA sponsor uh -huh. who I see regularly, talk to. Uh -huh. And I have a mentor in Refuge Recovery. And he tends to definitely come from the, the Buddhist world. And so he's very much like a spiritual advisor for me. Um, we kind of go over Buddhist literature, Buddhist concepts, and talk about meditation practice. And my AA sponsor is still my AA sponsor. Is is everybody in refuge recovery um, Buddhist? No. Well, you look at me funny. I know <laughs> because that's not what I thought you were going to say. No. Um, everybody in refuge recovery is not Buddhist. We have people who believe in God in refuge recovery, and that's because ref, refuge recovery we call ourselves non-theistic. It's like if you go to a doctor, right? And a doctor prescribes you ibuprofen. It doesn't matter whether he believes in God or not, right? Right. Because he's just it's he's it's a non-theistic venue in which you're getting your medicine. Well, it's the same thing. You don't have to believe in God. You don't not have to believe in God uh, to be in refuge recovery because it's not part of the process that we work. Right. So we have people there who are just who are Christians who are trying to enrich their spiritual practice through meditation and through the principles of Buddhism. That's fascinating. I actually had it was a fat talk about fascinating. So like it was a Christmas. I think it was a Christmas night meeting I went to mm -hmm. um, a number of years ago. And someone spoke at the meeting. It was just so touching. She said she came there because she felt pushed out of a 12-step meeting because she was talking about God too much. 
Wow. So she came to our meeting because she felt more accepted. And I thought that was so strange because I That spoke, is so strange. And I said, it's so strange because like part of the censorship or the self-censoring I would do sometimes at 12-step meetings was not talk about my lack of belief in God. And here were these right. two people that came to the same meeting for the completely opposite reason, but the same reason. You that know? is crazy. And so it's a very welcoming community. Your addiction, whatever it is, you know. That is really fascinating. I, this is really great. Um, you're the first, besides Noah, first person who's been on this show to talk about refuge recovery. And like I said, we get emails and I get asked about refuge recovery all the time. <laughs> I talk for a living. And um, and I know I never know the answers. And that's so I asked you today the questions that I get asked. And I hope that this show has enlightened people on it. It's definitely enlightened me. I totally want to try a refuge recovery meeting now. Um, and I really have no excuse since I moved back to San Francisco. You got a lot like of it up here. Everywhere. And yeah. It, and across the bay in Oakland and Berkeley. Yeah, totally. Um, so what is it? It's refugerecovery.com, I think, if people want to check that uh, out. I think. Or is it .org? .org. Refugerecovery.org. I know there's a Facebook page they have, too. And um, and thank you so much for talking about this. Yeah, this no has been problem. really great. My pleasure. If you have any questions, uh, you can email us. It's radiorehab at gotoproductions.com. That's G-O-T-O productions.com. You can call or text 415-496-9511. On Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, it's at Radio Rehab Dana. And you can also go to radio.rehab. And we will be back tomorrow, our last day in studio with Matt. Keep coming back. Sex and drugs and rock and roll. Is all my brain and body need Sex and drugs and rock and roll